Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for being surprisingly sympathetic to us. Father, forgive us for sometimes we're harder on ourselves than you are. We forget we're made out of dust. We forget that we're fallen human beings. We judge ourselves too often by the person of Jesus Christ and say we ought to be just as good as him. And we're not. We're not. And you know it. You know your spirit is working in us to overcome things in us. But Father, you rejoice in every step we take. And you understand every false move we make. Now, Father, as we look into your word, a word that you brought down from heaven and allowed to be written on our level so we could understand it, we could apply it, we could incorporate it into the the fallenness of this world in our lives. Just bless us again as we open and look at a part of it. For we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, words to live by. All of us have favorite words, don't we? Words that we live by, words that are meaningful to us, words that define us, words that other people perhaps have given to us. And what we've been doing this fall is selecting a group of words, individual words from the Word of God that we can live by. Individual words that convey a whole bunch of truth. So that as soon as we think of the individual word, a whole host of things rush into our minds. God's truths, God's ways, God's purposes, that all are attached to that particular word. And so the, the theme, the series key verse uh, for this uh, short fall series is Matthew 4.4. 4, and notice... As I say every week, it's a red-letter scripture. Jesus said this, Man does not live on bread alone, that is, on physical food alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now this fall we're choosing ten or so words that have come from the mouth of God that can actually feed us. These singular words that can bring into our minds, as soon as we hear them, just a host of of wonderful truths. Now, so far, we've identified four of them. The first one was the word logos. Now, that's a, a Greek word, of course. It's the word for word. Logos, but it's the particular Greek word that the Apostle John used when he began his gospel to identify the eternal Son of God. 
in the beginning was the Logos. And we said that that one is the ultimate answer to all of life's questions. The Son of God, Jesus, the Logos. And then we looked at the word faith, that cornerstone word that encompasses all that we Christians are to know and to do and even to feel. The word that not only casts... uh, uh, It casts our eyes into the the truths of God's word, and and we know some of them, the faith, once delivered to the saints. And then it's something to do. Like the Greeks, they could faith. We have to believe. We have to trust. We have to... But it's something to do, and then it's also something to feel. That faith that just gives us certainty, that sense of surety. And then we had the word hope. The word that not only casts our gaze onward toward things yet to come, but the word that stabilizes and anchors our lives in the here and now. And just last week, we focused our attention upon the word what? Joy. Very good. That unbridled exuberance that we said spills over into our lives from our Heavenly Father's own heart. The joy that God has in and for us becomes the very strength by which we live. Now, each of those words communicates some essential aspect of the Christian life, something that we can indeed live by. So here's today's word to live by. It's the word Abide, abide. And the Greek word is meno, meno. It means to reside, to dwell, to remain, even to connect. It's a very flexible word. It's used nearly a hundred times in the New Testament. It covers a lot of bases. It's used in a lot of different ways. In fact, going through my uh, concordance, where you can just trace the Greek word right through the New Testament, the English Bible translates this word by as many as seven different English words. It's used in a lot of ways. Jesus used it frequently. And it was the word that Jesus used for the request he made of Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that horrible night? After they had had a wonderful night, a meal together, Jesus describing, oh, teachings that they had not covered before. It was just awesome. That night, that last supper, they were filled with truth as they sat there and listened. And then they left, and they went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and and Jesus said to his 11 disciples, Judas was gone at that point, he said, come with me into the garden. I need to pray for a while. So they found the spot. Then Jesus took three of them, Peter, James, and John, and he walked a little further on, kind of to where you might say Peter, James, and John could hear what he was praying, but the other eight couldn't. I mean, he specifically invited Peter, James, and John to come further on, and and here's what he said to them. He said, stay here, meno. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
a very special assignment, a very special request. Not just remain with me, but keep watch with me. Meaning maybe that he was on the lookout for something. Keep watch with me as I watch, as I ready myself. Those words are found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. Stay here, you three. Menno, and keep watch with me. Stay, keep watch, involve yourselves in what is going on. I can imagine Jesus thinking as he invited those three to to come a little further and to just keep watch with him while he's going to kneel down and pray. One of the most agonizing prayers ever prayed. We know what happened there. I can imagine Jesus thinking, stay with me. Keep watch with me. There are blessings in store for you if you do. This is an invitation, Peter, James, John. You come with me a little further on to where I'm going to be doing what I'm going to be doing, and you keep watch with me, stay here, abide with me, for there are blessings in store for you if you do. I have no doubt that was in his heart. Just like it had been in his heart when he invited the three of them to go up on the mountain of transfiguration with him. Come with me. Remain here with me now at the top of this mountain. There are blessings in store for you. And indeed there were on that mountain. John the Apostle would write in in his letter, and the word Logos became flesh, dwelled among us, and we, we, who? Peter, James, and me. We beheld his glory as of the one and only, the Son of God. Peter would later write and said, we have the prophecy made more sure of the word of God. We saw him on the mountain in all his majestic glory. It's like, come with me. Blessings are there for you if you do. It's like when Jesus had invited the three of them to come into Jairus' house. When his little girl, it was reported she had died. This man had come to Jesus to see if he could come to the house and heal the little girl. And before they had even turned around to come, some people from the family came and said, she's passed. Don't trouble the teacher teacher now. She's gone. And Jesus said, just wait. And he went to the house and he took Peter, James, and John. Abide with me. Remain with me. You come with me on this. Let the other guys stay out there. But you three, you come with me into this little girl's bedroom. And he walks up to them. And they didn't fall asleep that night. They were right there. They were wondering, what in the world? And Jesus reaches down to that little girl and just lifts her up. Says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she came back from death. And Peter, James, and John never, ever forgot that. 
there are blessings to see the power of God released in the world. And so those three, at least on three occasions, were invited to be part of something very, very special. Part of something that would bring blessings into their lives. But you and I know they were blessed with the little girl's resurrection. They were blessed on the mountain of transfiguration. They missed the entire blessing in the Garden of Gethsemane. They failed horribly, miserably. While Jesus went over there to pray for a while and he asked the three of them, now you come with me, you come with me, you watch with me, you stand guard with me, you be with me in this, saying I'm allowing you to be part of this. And it's going to be something profound, just like every time. Every time I ask you to come and be especially with me. But that night they failed. They fell asleep. Couldn't even stay alert to the task. They provided little comfort for Jesus. And they received zero blessing as a result of his invitation to them. But this is now the word we're looking at today. Menno, the invitation to come and be, to abide, to remain, to connect. And here's how today's key concept puts it, a word that holds the possibility of great blessing. Today's key concept, all in caps, says this, Christ's invitation to abide brings the possibility of great blessing. Those who heed his invitation experience the blessing. I just want you to note four key words in that key concept. Number one, possibility. Jesus is offering something here just like he did on those several occasions to Peter, James, and John. But we will see he offers it to every single born-again child of God. Every single one who's put their faith and trust in him as their savior and received that that new birth that only the Holy Spirit can bring. But still, for all of us in this room, if we're all born again believers in Jesus Christ, it's a possibility. No unbeliever has this possibility, but every born again child of God does. There's a possibility here. And the word blessing. That something that Jesus is offering comes under the heading of a blessing. Christ's invitation to abide brings the possibility of great blessing. The biblical term blessing is for all those varied things that come to us by the grace and goodness of God. God's blessings. The word heed You see, there's a human decision and there's a human response that must be made that will determine whether or not this invitation from Christ is acted upon and whether the blessing is enjoyed, experienced. And that's our next word, experience. Only those who act upon Christ's invitation will have their lives affected. Only they will enjoy the blessing that is being offered. So that's our key concept. Christ's invitation to abide brings the possibility of a great blessing. 
those who heed his invitation experience that blessing. Well, here now the key scriptures we're going to look at. All of them come from John chapter 15, which actually was part of Jesus' teaching at that Last Supper, that upper room where they spent that last evening of his earthly life together. John chapter 15. And chapter 15 is frequently called the vine and the branches passage. So let's look at them all together, and then we're going to discuss them one by one. So here we go. Today's key scriptures, John chapter 15, verses 5, 7, and 9. Verse 5, Jesus says, If a man abides, that's that meno Greek word, if a man abides in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Verse 7, if you abide, same word, meno, in me, and my words abide, meno, in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide, meno, in my love. He said those things one right after the other. Every two verses, verse 5, verse 7, verse 9. They just came right out as he was talking to them that night about uh, the vine and the branches and the fruit and all these images. And then he says these three things, talking about their relationship with him, with this idea of abiding. Not just knowing, but abiding. And I see in that passage three blessings of abiding. Three blessings of accepting Christ's invitation to actually do this thing. To abide with him. To remain with him. To be alert to what he's doing in the, in the moment. Let's just go through them quickly this morning. Number one, Christ's invitation to abide. And we could actually shorten that up and just say abiding. Abiding brings the blessing. Of course, we're not going to abide unless we accept his invitation and we remind ourselves he's inviting us to, to come and link ourselves to him in a, in a personal, relational way that where he is, we are, and what he's doing, we're doing, and, and what he's doing is affecting us. So abiding, or his invitation to abide, brings the blessing of abundant fruitfulness. That's the first verse, verse 5 we looked at. If a man abides, meno in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Every believer wants to be fruitful. I'll bet you. I'll bet you Matthew's going to take a course at Master's College. By the time he joins and into their seminary, he's going to take courses. They might have fancy titles, but it'll have something to do with how to be fruitful. How to have a fruitful Christian life. You can buy books on how to have a fruitful Christian life. And what a fruitful Christian life is. I want to be a fruitful Christian. We have the fruit of the Spirit in our minds. Jesus says, if a man abides in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. 
Jesus did not say if he reads the right book. If he asks the right questions. If somebody else can, can write it down in a way that he finds attractive and challenging. Just if a man abides in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Now, Jesus began that fifth verse by saying this. I am the vine. He painted the picture for them. I am the, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener, or the vine dresser. In other words, the Father is the one for whom the fruit is being produced. Got to keep that straight. The Father owns the vineyard. The Father is the one who plants, as it were, the vines in the ground and then receives the produce that those vines have produced, the fruit. So the father is the one for whom the fruit is being produced. The father then is the one who evaluates the quality of the harvest. Later on, that very same night, Jesus would rephrase his statement and just elaborate on it a bit by saying, I am the vine. I already said, I'm the vine. My father is the gardener or the husbandman. Now he says again, let me remind you, I'm the vine, and this time I'm pointing out to you, you are the branches. I am the vine, and you all are the branches. Abiding in this context is pictured by the branches stuck to the vine. I mean, it's a natural relationship. You have to pull it apart. It grows naturally. Out of the vine comes branches. And Jesus says, those who abide in him, who remain connected to the vine, they will find fruit developing in them. And it will be fruit that the father, the husbandman, the owner of the vineyard, finds acceptable. So in a word, I want to share with you this morning, I would believe, therefore, fruit is a God-pleasing life. Fruit is a God-pleasing life. It's something that the owner of the vineyard finds acceptable on the branches that are connected to the vine. A God-pleasing life is a fruitful life. It's a life that draws its inspiration from Jesus' life and from the power of the Holy Spirit whom Jesus has sent to all those who are his. Fruit is something that only the Father, the owner and the overseer of the garden can evaluate. Run that statement through your mind. How frequent do you have you at various times tried to evaluate your own fruitfulness? How many times have you looked at other believers to evaluate their fruitfulness? And I don't mean you determining they're kind of fruity. <laughs> but we get caught up in evaluating our own level of uh, production 
Jesus is saying here, that's not our job at all. We don't even know for sure what to judge ourselves by. I mean, generally we do. We have the life of Christ. How well are we coming up to that? But here he's saying, this is what the Father's role is. Remember the line that we use a lot at the end of days, there'll be that moment where the Father says, well done, good and faithful servant. In this case, it's almost like saying, well done, apple. Well done, grape. Well done, strawberry. You are awesome. He's the vine dresser. He's the owner. Christ is the vine. We are the branches, and in our lives develops something that either pleases or doesn't please the Father. And that's all we should care about. And we're not in a real good position to do the Father's judging for him. And so we trust him. We trust him as we what? Remain in the vine. The fruit the Father's looking for will arrive. And that's all we need to know. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Good fruit. God-pleasing fruit. Now this comes to those who abide in Christ, who remain connected to him. Sometimes people get so caught up in living the Christian life and trying how to live it and studying it that they forget to be with Christ. That's always a danger of education. You can forget the real thing while you're studying about it. So Jesus just says, if, if you abide in me, remain in me. So the Father's well done is a tremendous blessing. We know that. It comes to all those who willingly choose to abide in Christ. That is, to all those who choose to live their lives in light of his teachings and in fellowship with him through his spirit. And now, lest anyone here might think that you're not eligible for such a vine and branches relationship, here are these words of Christ. We find them in John chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus said, He that comes to me, I will never turn away. I will never turn away. You never have to worry saying, I want to be one who abides in Christ. I want to be one who's connected to Christ. I want to be one that, that Christ produces fruit through. But I just know I'm, I'm not worthy, not good enough for that. Jesus says, he that comes to me, I will never turn away. And so we say, come to Christ. Come to Christ. That's the evangelistic call all through the years, all through the, the time that we're on this earth. Just come to Christ. Give your life to Christ. In your heart and mind, confess him as the eternal Son of God who came and died on Calvary for your sins. Confess your need of a Savior and resolve to take up residence in the realm where he is recognized as Savior and Lord. That's where you want to live. In that place where Jesus Christ is recognized as Savior and Lord. 
And he says, I will not turn you away. No way. I would never turn away someone who is coming to me, who sees me for who I am, who sees themselves in need of my salvation. I would never turn them away. We come to him. He will attach us to himself as a branch is attached to the vine. And we will be given opportunity, any one of you here this morning, any friends that you have who will do that will be given opportunity to become a fruit-bearing person for him. And so we say today, abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ is how all this happens. And when we abide in Christ, it will happen. And so the blessing of abundant fruitfulness awaits those who will accept the invitation to abide in Christ. Here's a second blessing. Christ's invitation to abide, or simply abiding in Christ, brings the blessing of answered prayer. Now this is a tricky verse. I read it a moment ago, and you're familiar with it, and, and sometimes what we do with this verse is amazing. Here's what it says. If you abide, meno, that's a condition. If you abide in me, and if my words, my teachings, my desires, if my words abide, that is, they're hanging around and in you, defining you, determining how you think, how you feel, how you function, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. There's an awful lot of believers, there's an awful lot of over the years Christian teachers who only focus on the last part of that verse. And they say, ask whatever you wish. If you're a child of God, you've been born again, you believe in Jesus Christ, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. That verse, that part of the verse can be used in prayer seminars. It can be used to encourage people to pray. It can be in, used to say there's power in prayer. Prayer changes things. It says right here, ask whatever you wish. Are you not a born-again person? Well, then ask, and it will be given you. Just claim it. Just believe it. Hold on to it. Don't deny it. You know, and... That's only the half of the verse without talking about all the conditions for that half to function that are in the first part of the verse. I believe that verse could be paraphrased just a little bit. We need to hear it like this. Jesus saying, if you abide in me, stay connected to me like a branch in the vine. And if my words abide in you, that is, my words become words that you are running through your mind frequently. When you walk through life and you encounter a situation, you find the Holy Spirit and you find yourself accepting thoughts like this. Well, Jesus once talked about this, and what Jesus says we should do is this. My words are abiding in you. My words are influencing your thinking. My words are influencing your acting. My words are kind of defining who you are in this world. If you're that kind of person... If you're abiding in me, my words are abiding in you, then your prayer requests 
will always be consistent with my words and ways. In fact, you would be praying, in a sense, exactly the same prayer that I would be praying if I were there praying. Because my words are abiding in you. It's my words, my ways, my teachings that are coming out of your mouth when you speak. It's my words, my ways, my teachings that influence what you say to my Heavenly Father when you pray. In the same way that those were words that influenced Christ's own prayers when he prayed. Now, if that's what you're doing when you pray, then all your prayer requests will be consistent with my words and ways and thus will be joyfully granted by my Father in heaven. Why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be? Because those are prayers consistent with everything God wants to do. Those prayers would be consistent with everything the Son of God ever taught or thought or said. It'd be just like the Father was hearing his own Son pray. And of course... He would be pleased to grant the request, the purpose, the thought, the intention of that prayer. So that prayer blessing, it comes to those who are abiding in Christ and who have his words abiding in them, that is, shaping their thoughts and feelings and desires and understandings of things. And here's what the blessing is. Folks who pray like that, who pray as they're abiding in Christ and his words are abiding in them, they no longer pray any I hope so prayers. Oh God, I hope I get that job. Oh God, I hope they get better. Oh God, I hope uh, this election works out the way. You know, there's never a prayer that even in our mind is I hope so. We wouldn't say to God, I hope so. We just say, oh, God, let this happen, let this happen. And in our heart, we say, boy, I sure hope so. That's what I think would be best. That's what I think ought to to happen. They no longer pray that way. No more hope so prayers. They no longer pray, Father, here's what I need you to do. Prayers. Now, I don't know if any of us have ever prayed those. You know how it is. We understand how busy God is. We understand how many problems there are. We understand he doesn't have time to think his way through every situation that we're in. But we have time to think our way through it. So we say, Father, I've been thinking about this. Father, there's a situation here. And here's what I need you to do. Here's what needs to be done. I know, I know, you didn't think of it yourself. But, you know, it's okay. You can't think of everything, but I've been thinking of it. And here's what needs to be done. And so, Father, I'm, we, we say asking, but we're really directing, kind of, because a God of wisdom would certainly understand and discover and identify the wisdom of our prayer. So we say, Father, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. We no longer pray that way. We, we never, we don't pray anymore with the idea that, that God is one of our most important tools to use in our Christian life. 
We're the architect. We decide what needs to be done. And then we bring out the mighty tool to get it done. And we tell that tool what needs to be done. No, we never pray that way anymore. These people who are abiding in Christ and his words are abiding in them, they pray prayers that are consistent with the prayers that Jesus himself prayed. They almost act like once upon a time Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And then they discover in the Bible he did. He said, when you pray, say. And then here's a, here's a whole sequence of ways of approaching God and the things to say and the elements of a prayer that the Son of God himself could authorize. And they begin to pray like that. They begin to follow that pattern. They pray prayers that recognize the greater wisdom and goodness of their Heavenly Father. He's the one who knows best. He's the one who understands the the ramifications of this situation. I'm in or my loved one is in. And we acknowledge his wisdom and his goodness. They know that prayers that ultimately ask for God's will to be perfectly done are answered every time. Because God's will always and eventually is perfectly done. Even if we don't know ahead of time what that will is. And so as a result, these people who are abiding in Christ and for whom Christ's words are abiding in them when they bow their knee to pray, they find themselves blessed. They rejoice in the blessing of all of that knowledge and And they find blessing in in knowing that their prayers offered in this way are answered every time. According to the will and the wisdom and the grace and the goodness of God. And they rejoice in that. They just feel privileged that they were able to carry that prayer to him. That the Holy Spirit was able to stir in them a a sensitivity to say, this is something you should talk to God about. And they do. As a child to a loving Heavenly Father, and they leave it with him, knowing what a marvelous Heavenly Father he is. And they, in so doing, they follow right along in the steps of Jesus Christ, who came into this world saying, Father, I, I come to do your will, O God. Every time we pray, when we're abiding with the Son of God in that way, our prayer takes the form of, oh God, I want to do your will. I want this prayer of mine to result in your will being done. Would that not be awesome? Third thing, third final blessing of abiding that we'll mention this morning Christ's invitation to abide brings the blessing of an everlasting love. We started our service singing about the love of God. And here, John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. 
so have I loved you. Now, all of you, abide, many, in that love, in my love. See, for anybody who's not quite sure if God really loves them, if you're one of them, ask yourself this question. Do you really believe God loves Jesus? Do you really believe God the Father loves his son? Or do you doubt that? Do you believe it? Do you think God the Father loves his son with everything he's got? With purity, with whole... Just, I mean, it's a godly love that he, he just lavishes upon his son. If we can believe that, then Jesus says this. Now, that's the way. The way the Father has loved me is how I have and do love you. He wasn't even making the point that the Father loves you. He was making the point there that he loves his own. And he loves his own exactly the same way, with the same intensity, with the same purity, with the same completeness that the Father loves him. Now, Jesus says that, just as a truth, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, what do you do with that truth? Here's what he says. Now you abide. Meno, abide in that love that I have for you that is exactly like the love the Father has for me. Do you think you can hang out in that love? Do you think you can get up in the morning and first thought be, I am loved by Jesus Christ. With the same love that the Father has for him, I am going to live in the midst of that reality today. Long years ago, little children were taught in Sunday school, and I don't know if they are taught this anymore or not. Shame on me for not checking all across the world. What's the first little song that children learn in Sunday school? <laughs> Jesus loves me. This I know. Well, how do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me so, so it gets them into an understanding of the importance of the word of God. But the thing is, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Somehow we get so grown up in our faith that it seems like there's so many other things that, that kind of motivate us and get involved in this great big Christian life and all the theology and all the truth of it. And, but right at the heart of it, Jesus says, abide in my love. He didn't say abide in your wisdom, abide in your life experience, abide in your fellowship. All those things are, are blessings, of course, but here's what he said to abide in. Abide in something that a three-year-old child can master. Jesus loves me. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus who came from heaven to earth, he loves me. Can that take some of the sting out of the fact that there are human beings here and there who don't like you? 
What do they know? Right? Maybe they know a lot. Maybe they know every mistake you've ever made in your whole life. Maybe they're disgusted with you even. Well, don't abide in that. Don't abide in that. Hopefully God's changing you from whatever that was, but abide in this. Jesus loves you with a love that is so profound. Jesus even says here in in, in John chapter 17, as he's praying to the Father, he says, Father, you love me before the foundation of the world, before anything was ever created. There was the love in the Father's heart for his everlasting, eternal Son. And Jesus says, for all of us, that's how I love you. My love for you started long before you were even born. Abide in that. Abide and know the blessing of an everlasting love. Well, our final thought says this. Put an image in your mind. Those who abide, that is, take up residence in Christ and in his love, they reside in an entirely different zip code than the rest of the world. Live there. Live there. Abiding in Christ, abiding in his love, abiding in the joy of answered prayer, abiding in in just everything that that word reminds us of. Abide in the fact that through the Spirit of God, you, you are being abundantly fruitful as you simply build a Christ-honoring life. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this word. Of course, whole books are written about it, going into all the, the uh, marvelous things that can be said and explanations that can be given. But Father, we know what it's like to live somewhere. A lot of us might even right now be living physically in a place we'd rather not be. Perhaps in the past, we've lived in places that we desperately sought to get out of, and we did. We know what it's like to live somewhere. Father Jesus says he would have us live in him. Live in the realm where he is recognized as Lord and Savior. Live in the realm where his love is the most important dynamic functioning within it. And for us to abide there, not to visit occasionally, not to try to think what it would be like if it were true, but to abide there is one of the greatest of all the things in the universe. So, Father, I pray for each of us today that this word might resonate within our hearts. It might, it might carry with it a, a kind of uh, invitation that's irresistible to say today, right now, and in the days ahead, I will take up residence 
in that place where Jesus Christ is known and honored and loved and surrendered to, I will abide in him and I will stay there forever. This we ask, help us by your spirit to do this, to desire to do it and then to achieve the the joy of it. For we ask you this in Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.